the Devi Debate Draft Profile Show. Quarterback. Standing strong in the pocket, winds up down the field. Oh, he put the biscuit in the basket. When I'm looking at the quarterback position, it all comes down to the feet. You want to see what they're doing in the pocket, whether it's clean, whether they're under pressure, what they do when they get outside of the pocket. Can they make those off-platform throws? How good is their arm? Can they fit it into those tight windows? Running backs. And he's got an opening. Elliott, off to the races. Can they catch him? talking about running back for fantasy football you have to be able to do one you have to be one of two things but preferably both either one you are deployed in the passing game or two you are a tremendous size adjusted athlete those are the only two things that exist on the top of the food chain in fantasy football at running back being able to catch the ball wide receivers you got barbecue back there, and you didn't invite me. Hurt my feelings. So what do I look for when I'm evaluating wide receivers? There are really kind of three or four things that I like to look for when I'm watching these guys. The big one is how do they win? And I want to see a guy that can either win constantly in multiple ways, but if they can't. So welcome back to another rookie profile show here with us at Debbie Debate. I have Felix and Matt here with me tonight, and we are talking wide receivers. Uh, a lot of wide receivers to talk about, so uh, dipping back into that pool here again for you guys. Uh, a couple of fun names here, I think. Well, at least for two of us, names that you think of when you think of us, sort of. Uh, Felix has Austin Watkins here tonight from UAB. I have Rondale Moore, uh, wide receiver one forever in my heart. And Matt has Rashad Bateman, um, a guy that I think is really rising uh, for a lot of people here as we get closer to the draft. Um, so I have been tasked with leading us off here for the evening. And I, like I said, I have Rondale. Um, a uh, fun and easy one for me to talk about. Uh, hopefully I can do him some justice. So Rondale Moore is, um, uh, was a junior. He's coming out here as a junior. Um, he is from Kentucky, from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, how close is he to you, Felix, uh, where he's from? I mean, the high school that he went to is 10 minutes away. So. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a Kentucky kid, Louisville, Kentucky, uh, four-star kid, um, good basketball player, good football player. You know, he, he kind of did a little bit of both. He was a four-star recruit coming out of high school, um, and had, you know, a lot of, uh, big offers and was originally actually committed to Texas. I think a lot of people don't necessarily know that about him. Um, but he, he was originally committed there and then, yeah, dropped, uh, dropped that commitment, said he needed to think about things a little more, thought that he had. Um, decided on a school a little too early and ended up 
switching to Purdue actually during the all American bowl game. He was one of those guys that, you know, they give the halftime interview or, you know, uh, during the game or whatever, they pull him over and, and kind of have a scheduled, you know, where are you going? And he said he was going to Purdue, um, which I think was kind of a shock to people at the time. Um, because like I said, he did have a lot of other bigger offers. You know, he had an offer from, like I said, Texas, he had Alabama, he had, uh, Georgia, uh, Louis, uh, Louisville, local guys, Michigan state, Minnesota, Mississippi state, Ohio state. Um, I always say pit when I do these things, when they, when they're in there, not like they're a big team, but he had an offer from them too. Um, I guess my fandom is showing a little bit there. Um, but so, so he committed to Purdue and he was the first four-star guy to go there in several years when he committed, it was kind of a big deal. Um, and it's kind of led to a little bit, uh, you know, they're not out there killing it, but they, they've gotten some other kids in. And I think a lot of that has to do with, with Rondale Moore's presence there. Um, went to Purdue and, uh, the kid basically, you know, as a four-star wide receiver probably should at a school like Purdue went into the, that school and just absolutely crushed it as a, uh, freshman. He, um, you know, as a, oh, where'd, uh, I just backed out of all those stats as a true freshman. He had 21 carries, 213 yards, two touchdowns on the ground, then added 114 catches, 1,258 yards, and 12 touchdowns through the air. Um, so it was basically a significant portion of their offense. Um, you know, out, out, it produced everybody yardage wise on the entire team, you know, running back, wide receiver, anything. And was pretty much, you know, teams figured out pretty quickly that he was the only guy, you know, and he kind of, made that first statement in that, that really famous game against Ohio state um, where he just absolutely shredded them. And I think really kind of that, that was when people started to say, who is this kid? That was week seven. There's a play in that game where it takes a number two overall draft pick, a number three overall draft pick and a projected top, 20 draft pick to get him to the ground. I'm talking about Jeff Okuda, Chase Young, and Sean Wade. There's a play where all of them touch him and don't get him to the ground. So that's who Rondell Moore is. Yeah. Eh. Yeah. Yeah. Great player. I mean, in that game, 12 catches, 170 yards, two touchdowns. And, you know, it was, and they won that game. He was pretty much the whole reason why. I think, I think that's when people really started to say, you know, who the heck is this kid at Purdue? Because we are not used to saying who the heck is this kid at Purdue. Um, and the freshman year is really what I, you know, what the focus of Rondell is because we don't have a lot to talk about after that. You know, he played a true soft as a true sophomore. He played three games and then part of another game before he got injured and missed the rest of the season. Um, and then opted out of this past season initially, and then opted back in when the conference said that they were going to play some football this year missed a few games. Um, in my opinion, he was just, you know, they were, they were kind of taking it easy, ramping him back up for everything. Um, but he, he only played a couple of games this past year as well. So he's only played seven games in the past two years. And I think that's kind of what you hear, you know, that that's like one of the big concerns that people have about him is, you know, can he stay healthy and can, you know, in a league where everyone is bigger, faster, stronger than they are in college. Um, so Rondell, the player, I think it ha- you have to start with his athletic ability. 
And, you know, coming out of high school, he had some crazy verified numbers. He had a 42-inch verified vert. He had a 401 shuttle. And he had a uh, 4-3-3-40. And honestly, I think if you watch him on the football field, none of that is shocking. He is not just a track guy. You know, those... Those numbers, that those traits, the speed, the explosiveness, the burst, I think those things all translate to the football field and make him extremely dangerous, um, which is good because he is about 5'9", and you know I think the hope is that he weighs in anywhere between 185 and 190 here um, as, as kind of the draft preparation rolls on. I think that's um, you know kind of a good spot a good spot for him to be in. But regardless, that athletic ability is kind of the first bread and butter with him. The second is just, you know, he is very much in the, I want to say he's in the Debo Samuel kind of mold of a player, but I think that's a little offensive to Rondell because I think he's just, you know, Debo turned up to 11. Uh, But, you know, he's a guy where you want to get the ball in his hands by any means possible. And uh, with, you know, kind of that running back mentality, he you know, just will make guys miss. He'll run somebody over. He'll do anything he can to pick up some some yardage with the ball in his hands, and he's just dangerous that way. You know, you get the ball in Rondale's hands, you kind of just get out of his way, and you let him do his thing. And I think that he is so good at it that that part of his game will translate to the NFL. You know, there are guys in the NFL that make a living doing that, and I think that Rondale Moore is certainly athletic enough and skilled enough with the ball that he can like those guys do that sort of thing. There are two big misconceptions about Rondell Moore and that I think need to be cleared up a little bit. And the first one is that he's injury prone, as we said earlier, as I said earlier, you know, he's only played seven games in the past two years, but I don't, they're not that big of a deal. And here's why sophomore year. If you go back and watch the play where he was hurt, He went up, jumped up in the air, came down on one leg very, very awkwardly. And I think if anybody was watching that game at the time, you said, up, there went Rondale's knee. You know, he's done for the year, and it's going to take him a while to come back. And from everything that I've seen and read from, you know, there's a lot of, you know, physical therapists to do a lot of the fantasy football stuff and things like that that kind of chime in. His knee should have, his knee should have, uh, his ACL should have torn. But his leg muscles were so strong that they took the brunt of that landing. And instead he just had a hamstring injury instead of a brutal knee injury. Yeah. It's a heck of a lot better. You know, if you have to choose between those two things for a guy, you'd much rather him have a hamstring injury that required no surgery than a knee injury. So I think, you know, calling him, him, him injury prone off that, you know, it's almost the opposite. And then this year with ramping back up for football, you know, I think it's just hard when you, you know, he opted out, was starting to do a little bit of his his pre-draft prep, and then to try to ramp back up and play football again. It's a very difficult task. It's a very difficult thing to ask somebody. And I think they knew that, you know, Rondale had come in there as a guy that was probably too good for Purdue, to be completely honest, and given them everything over the previous two years that they, you know, said, we're not going to rush you back. You know, we're not going to, you know, for the benefit of the team, we aren't going to hurt you. And so they brought him along slowly. Um, kind of as a favor uh, to him. And then a second, I think I just hear a lot of, you know, well, he's not a very versatile player. And I think those people are really showing their 
their ignorance and the fact that they just have never really actually sat down and watched Rondell more because I think he can do everything. You know, he got a lot of manufactured touches at Purdue just because there was nothing else there. And, but to say that that's all he can do, or that's the the role that he needs to be limited to, I think is very wrong. There are tons of clips of him out there creating separation quickly and easily. You know, he, he is a good route runner. You know, he's not Jerry Judy out there or whatever. He's not Devonta Smith, but that's okay. I don't think he needs to be. I think he has way more athletic gifts than those guys do. Um, so, uh, and he creates separation kind of in his own way, but it works. And I think that is going to translate very well to the NFL. And I think, to be honest, I think people are going to be really surprised at just how well he can get open uh, once he gets to the NFL, because I think that he, that he can do it. Um, you know, we talk, uh, not only do we talk about the player here, but we kind of talk about where, you know, a, a comp and where we project them to go in the draft. You know, I think there is a worry that maybe he goes a little bit later than, than I think he should. And that I think a lot of people think he should. So maybe that will affect my opinion of him just a little bit going into the year. You know, if he's a day two, late day two guy. Um, but I think, you know, I think if he goes any later than pick 50, the teams have really dropped the ball on Rondell Moore. Cause I think he, he can do a lot of different things in the NFL and that are, and I think he's going to be a really good player there. And, um, you know, player comp wise, I, I've said all along, I think he's basically DJ Moore, but more talented. You know, he's a little bit smaller than DJ Moore, but I think skill set wise, he can do a lot of the same things. And um, and I, I think in that regard, kind of how DJ Moore has shown the past couple of years, he is almost landing spot proof. You know, DJ Moore's had a lot of different quarterbacks, a lot of different situations, and has thrived regardless. And I think Rondell Moore can do that as well. And I think out of all the players, all the wide receivers in this draft, he is probably the most landing spot independent. I think he can go pretty much anywhere, you know, even Baltimore. I think he'd be great in Baltimore. You know, they need a guy that's just reliable and you can get the ball in his hands and let him do some work. And I think he could be that guy, even in an offense like that. Rondell Moore is one of the best freshman, true freshman wide receivers we have ever seen, ever. The only per player that I can think of to compare to him is Mike Williams out of USC back in 2004, 2000, somewhere around there, 2004, 2005, it's 2002. Okay. I just want to identify their stats um, next to each other because obviously Mike Williams played two years and then tried to challenge the NFL rule against uh, the three years removed rule he lost, but was still the number number uh, 10 pick in the draft to my Detroit Lions. But his true freshman season, Mike Williams, and again, if you weren't around watching college football, Mike Williams was as dominant a freshman wide receiver or wide receiver period as you would see 1260 1265 yards average 15.6 a, uh, a catch 14 touchdowns rondell moore 114 receptions 1258 but adds 21 carries as austin said for 213 yards this is one of the most dynamic players we've seen period the only reason, and Austin, you and I both have him ranked as our number one rookie wide receiver. The only reason why he's not everyone's number one ranked rookie wide receiver is because he was injured his second and third years. But had he been healthy those years, there's no question 
that this guy would be on top for everyone because he's the most athletic. He's the most versatile. Austin, you mentioned Jerry Judy. I think that he's a better separator than Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy needed five, six seconds to get open because he would do a lot. I mean, every route for Jerry Judy in college was almost like a double move because he did a lot. I mean, he did a lot of herky-jerky stuff. Rondell Moore doesn't need that because he is so damn athletic that he can separate instantaneously. That's why when you look at his target chart, it's all near the line of scrimmage because he got open so quickly. And he was the security blanket for those Purdue quarterbacks. Um, so that's what people need to understand about Rondell Moore. He's versatile. He's he's he might be the most athletic wide receiver, period, including Jalen Waddle, including, you know, Terrence Marshall. I think that those guys are probably the candidates to be the most most athletic. No, it's Rondell Moore, and I don't give a damn if he falls to the second round. That might even put him in a in a better position because that's what happened to Deshaun Jackson. I can't believe that Deshaun Jackson fell how he did, but he did, and that's what you could see with Rondell Moore fall to the early second round and fall to a good situation and be a souped-up Jarvis Landry. I mean, just think about how Jarvis Landry was used in Miami. Get the ball into his hands and let him do what he what he could do. But Jarvis Landry was a sub-athlete. I, like Jarvis Landry's best athletic measurable was in like the 15th, 16th percentile. Rondell Moore is a 90-plus percentile athlete, and he's going to get the ball near the line of scrimmage. But I don't think that just because he was used at Purdue the way he was used, I don't think that that means that he can't stretch the field vertically. This guy runs a 4-3 something. He can stretch the field vertically. He That's just not how he was used at Purdue. So I'm not worried about the injuries either. This is one of my favorite receivers. And then let's – I forgot about saying that. He turns into a running back after the ball is, is in his hands. It's going to be hard to bring him down. He's a high BMI player, and that's just dangerous. So if you have Devonta Smith, uh, Jamar Chase, whomever, in front of Rondell Moore, you are practicing recency bias. You're practicing recency bias, or you believe that he's an injury risk. I don't believe that he is an injury risk. So he's going to remain my number one receiver, and I'm not worried about him going behind Chase and Waddle and Smith. He's my number one receiver in this class. I, the other thing that I that I did have written out here that I didn't say. So I think people cite a lot of the time that David Bell, you know, had such a good year with you know without him there, and that David Bell outproduced him this year. That is pretty patently false. So in the, the the two of them only got to play seven games together in their, their two years there. In those games, David Bell put up 36 catches, 448 yards, and five touchdowns. Those are good numbers. Rondell Moore put up 64 catches for 657 yards and two touchdowns and another two on the ground. So, I mean, to talk about two almost different classes of players, and David Bell is being talked about as, you know, possibly the number one guy next year. So... Just something else to kind of consider and 
uh, for me to throw out there. So I'm curious. Do you think, obviously, with his size, I, I mean, I love more. He's my, th- I want to say 2B. I mean, I have Chase as one. I don't have more at one like you two do. I still have, uh, still, you two do. I still have Chase at one. But more is right there, in my opinion, in the conversation with Smith. I don't, you know, if you take more over Chase or Smith, I can't argue with you. Uh, you know, there's probably going to be more times I might take more over Smith just because I like more a little bit more. But, I can see the argument for all three of those guys. I've got four wide receivers in my tier one, and and he's obviously sitting right there. Do you worry at all? about? I know that he can separate. I have no doubt about that. But I don't know how well he's going to do playing on the outside in the NFL because I do think defenses can scheme a little bit more to take him away than a Devonta Smith because of the way he plays and his wingspan and Jamar Chase due to his size and physicality. So does that worry you at all about Rondell in in the NFL? Because obviously if he goes into the slot, he's going to be an absolute beast. It's going to be almost impossible to stop him at times. But if he has to get moved to the outside or when they're moving players around or say he goes up against one of the best slot corners in the league, does that worry you at all? I, I mean, I, no, I mean, no. I don't know who the best slot corner is, but no, it, it doesn't. I mean, maybe Chris Harris. Um no, it doesn't bother me, and I can't, I, it, it's, I can't believe that people say that, that, oh, well, he can't win outside. First of all, th- this, isn't, this isn't the Champ Bailey-Charles Woodson era. This is the, the only cornerbacks that you're really scared of are Jalen Ramsey and, and Jalen Ramsey, I think. Or, you know, Marcus Lattimore. Marcus Lattimore in New Orleans. That's it. You know, there's not this bevy of of dominant boundary cornerbacks that you're really scared of matching anyone up against, personally, especially with the way the NFL rules are. But let's put that aside. I don't think that's how it's going to be used. I compared him to I compared him to a souped up Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry was a dominant slot receiver in Miami. Compare him to Cooper Cup. Not worried about whether a Cooper Cup is going to line up against Jarvis, uh, excuse me, uh, Jalen Ramsey, you know, and so I that that comparison or that concern is it, it's just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And I know you're just throwing it out there, Bruni. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me because any offensive coordinator worth his salt, first of all, isn't going to use him that way, and even if that offensive coordinator does there aren't that many cornerbacks that I'm scared of just being able to rough up Rondell Moore we saw Jarvis Landry go from a primary slot receiver in Miami to being used all over the field in Cleveland and I think that that's how we could see Rondell Moore's career uh, his career his career trajectory could be the same thing where he starts off primarily a slot receiver, and then as he gets used to the speed of the game and the strength of the players, he can be used outside. But I, I definitely think that he can be used outside. I definitely think that he can be that he can stretch the field. And I'm just I'm not worried about that concern at all. Yeah, I think the fear for corners actually is that, you know, if you don't get your hands on him, he's gone. He really, really is. 
Um, and I don't think it's that easy to get your hands on him anyway, you know, um, completely different stylistically than Jamar Chase, who almost wants you to put your hands on him, you know, so he we does. Can, like, so we can like rip him off your body, you know, I just, it's a way harder to get your hands on Rondell more than I, than it is with the Jamar Chase. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with you guys. I just, my biggest fear is, I mean, you guys say that, but yet nobody in the NFL does that except for Tyreek Hill. I mean, nobody gets clean off the line every single time and beats their man every single time except for Tyreek Hill. And and so it's hard to say that that's exactly what Rondell Moore is going to do. Again, I I, I love him, but I just, I'm a little worried. I don't want to say about his size because the dude looked like, I mean, like fucking, I don't even know. I just saw, I saw the picture of him earlier today. They got released and dude's got muscles in places. I didn't even know those places existed on my body. So it's the dude souped up and he's, he's going to be a really good player. I'm just, I'm curious as to what he's going to be in the NFL. And I am curious to see where he goes in, in the NFL draft. Cause I do think that's going to influence probably not the, what's the word I'm looking for here. Like with people like us, people in the industry, the guys who have been paying attention, it's not going to influence their takes on Rondale more, but like maybe in your home league, if he goes middle of the second round, people are going to let him drop. And so in your home leagues, you may be able to get a steal on him. But I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I love him. I think he's going to be a really good player. Hoping to get him at the back end of the first round. Every time you're muted. <laughs> Still muted. Still muted. <laughs> I want to say one last thing on Rondell Moore and why I have him ranked specifically ahead of Jamar Chase is because quarterbacks in the modern NFL are looking for people who are wide open. Gone are the Des Bryant days where we're going to throw up 50-50 balls to you. And Austin said, Jamar Chase loves contact. He is. I comped him to the Black Panther where the Black Panther every time the Black Panther got contacted, his energy, his suit built, built up energy, that's Jamar Chase. Well, um, Rondell Moore separates, and that's going to be – I mean, he's just going to be a very easy player for any quarterback to get the ball to, for any offensive coordinator to scheme around. Whereas, on the other hand, as good as Jamar Chase is, as physical as he is, his comp is Des Bryant. His comp is Justin Blackman, where there's going to be traffic around him. And there's not going to be traffic around um, Rondell Moore. Plus, once he gets the ball in his hands, he's one of the best running backs. Yes, wide receiver at running back. He's one of the best running backs in the league. I or like last year. I comped. I said he was a mix of Golden Tate and Kareem Hunt, and I still feel that way. I got nothing else to add. I was I was just curious on that one question. So. And I believe you are, or no, Felix is up, right? You're going last, man. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I've got Austin Watkins. And this has been one of my favorite players since last year. I mean, the statistics as far as yards per catch average that he was putting up were right up there with Jamar Chase and CeeDee Lamb. Um, was stretching the field for UAB. And it was... And I saw what he was listed at, 6'3", 205 pounds, and you saw the way he moved. And I was like, this guy is one of the best wide receivers uh, in the, in college football right now. I'm not going to – it sounds like a butt is coming. And there is a butt coming, but I want to minimize it. 
I was very excited about Austin Watkins when I thought that he was moving at the speed he was moving and doing the things that he was doing at 6'3", 200 pounds. But then he goes to the Senior Bowl and he measures at 6'1", 200 pounds. It's a big difference. When I have a deep threat who's 6'3", and is strong and, and can do the box out game and can run after the catch. He's he's a very good uh, uh, run after the catch receiver. Also, that's something I was excited about. Excited about, especially in that frame. Now, <laughs> at UAB, uh, Austin Watkins was listed at six three two hundred pounds. At his community college, Dodge City Community College, he's listed at six three two hundred pounds. And on uh, he was a two-star transfer JUCO recruit on 24-7. He's listed at 6'3", 200 pounds. So I need to see him. I, I want to see his height again because that two-inch difference to me is, is enormous. At 6'3", you're one of the bigger receivers out there, and you can throw the fades to Austin Watkins. You can, you know, he's going to box out smaller corners at six one you know when your average corner is now probably five eleven or so that's not as big of a difference so i know i've kind of gotten in like right into the meat of austin watkins but you know if anybody who's followed me on twitter or even this show i've talked a lot about austin watkins so let me back up and give some background. Coming out of he's from Fort Myers, Florida. The nephew, he's a cousin of Sammy Watkins, obviously. Wasn't highly recruited. He goes to Dodge City JUCO. And I mean, you look at his junior college tape. One of the things that I really like to look at is when a player runs a double move, how fluid they look as an athlete, whether or not when they make that first move, if they're able to accelerate without losing speed and lose the cornerback. Austin Watkins was able to do that. And again, at this time, I'm assuming that he's 6'3", 200 pounds. I'm like, wow, look at how this guy is moving. But you look at his stats in junior college, and I, I don't know um, what these, uh, what this school put up in in passing yardage overall so i don't know what percentage it is and he came out in 2000 high school in 2016 2016 again at dodge city 376 yards oh it's not this isn't brandon Ayuk. i think brandon Ayuk was close to close to 900 both of his years uh at juco and we're, i'm talking about juco and brandon i'm, I'm just I'm making the comparison to brandon Ayuk, who obviously went in the first round 2017 330 yards oh you know, not great. Transfers to UAB in 2018 and plays four games and then red shirts. It's like, ugh, you know, that's not. I mean, we're three years into this guy's career and he hadn't really done anything. But then 2019 is where he caught my attention. And again, he averaged 19.2 yards per catch. And one of the things that I do to scout wide receivers is to just go to ESPN, look up the stats, go to yards per catch average and sort by from highest to lowest. And I see that who is doing that on a catch by catch basis. So, you know, who has 40, 50 plus catches more and is, is 
and is able to maintain that yard per catch average. And Austin Watkins was in 2019 was right up there with any name, any of your favorite wide receiver in 2019, including that record setting LSU team. Austin Watkins was right up there um, with, 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 with those guys putting up his stats. So again, you know, that's what attracted me to him, but um, well, so let me say this. UAB terrible terrible quarterback situation. I mean, I, I'm a, I paid attention to this guy, Bryson Lacero and Tyler Johnston. Not not good quarterbacks. UAB is a power running football team. Spencer Brown is somebody we'll probably hear about uh, on this show. Probably a late day three UDFA running back, big, thick, 220 pound uh, player who can pound the ball. That's who they gave the ball to. They would run backside posts with Austin Watkins, and that's why he was always so open is because they were playing the run. I'm not saying that to discount Austin Watkins. I'm just telling you what the offense was. Play play action, run the ball, run the ball, play action, backside post to Austin Watkins. Austin Watkins, never seen a post route that he didn't like. Um, And so that's how he was able to put up those stats in 2019 for UAB. In 2018, very much the same, but I don't. I, I Austin Watkins didn't play the entire season. You know, I think he had he had about four hundred yards or so. It's it's really hard to give any weight one way or another to the twenty twenty season because of the pandemic. Very much, it's very similar to you know Warren Jackson. Warren Jackson. Hey, Warren Jackson didn't play, but I, I, I'm just saying. You know what are we what are we doing with these 2020 numbers? I don't know, but Austin Watkins is a thick-bodied X receiver who can stretch the field. That's what he is. He's he is sudden. He is a sudden athlete for his size, and I wish he was six three. But even though he's six one, he is still those things. He still put up that 2019 uh, statistical profile. Friend of the show, Chris Moxley, I was DMing with him earlier today, said that he liked him analytically. I like the way he looks on film. I don't like his his statistics that he put up, you know, three between 2016 and 2018. But this is a player who is you know i think that he's going to be he might be late day two anywhere from late day two third round to the seventh round i mean i think that that's where we're going to see him he was at the senior bowl looked good but mac jones had to get on him about lining up on the wrong side of the field so that's one thing i'm worried about now is like is this guy going to be able to pick up the playbook you know, is that the reason that he didn't put up any stats between 2016 and 2018? We don't know, and we'll never know. But he is one of my favorite players. He's one of my favorite stories. And think about UAB. UAB is a team that shut down its program, and then I can't remember what years, but shut down its program and then reopened and then has a, been a, a damn good football team considering those circumstances and they have a lot of athletes on that team Dwayne McBride a a freshman last year is going to be a sophomore 
2021. Very good, thick bowling ball player who's, who is going to run for 13, 1,400 yards. They've got wide receivers on the outside too. They just don't have a quarterback. Um, so that's what that's what Austin Watkins is. I'm very high on him despite him being only 6'1 and not 6'3. <laughs> Uh, but I will admit that that, but but seeing him measure at that size at the Senior Bowl was probably one of the most disappointing things um, that I've I've seen in all of 2020 related to football. So, Austin, you want me to go first? Yeah, go for it. All right, so I, I like Watkins a lot as well. I actually wrote um, the former side I used to write for in uh, Dynasty Nerds. My very first article on players to watch uh, included both Spencer Brown and Austin Watkins from UAB. I think uh, Watkins is very good. I have in here that I like his side. Well, size changes a little bit for me because I agree with Felix. Obviously, we all thought he was listed as one size this entire time. We found out just about a couple months ago. He's a little bit smaller than what we all thought he was, but still, I do like his speed. He's got really good hands. Um, I, I do think that he's got top-tier speed, even though he's a little bit smaller. Uh, I do think he's got things he needs to work on, needs to improve on his route running. Uh, but overall, I agree. I think he's going to be a really good wide receiver at the next level. I'm curious to see where he goes in the NFL draft because I think likely he comes in probably as, as a like a – maybe day three or not maybe day three guy, but like round six, seven, my biggest thing, he, I haven't seen him do anything on special teams, which obviously if you can do that in college and then go do that in the NFL, that helps him helps you make an NFL team. But if he gets on an NFL roster, I could honestly see him being like a high end wide receiver three for fantasy. I, I do like Watkins. He's got things he needs to improve on, but I, I do think overall he's a very good prospect. Yeah, my worry is that he doesn't make a, he doesn't, uh, he either goes to a situation that he's just buried or it's just like a terrible sit, like, because he can't play special teams. Like Matt said, I, I think that, or at least we don't know if he can play special teams. Yeah. I don't know. Felix, so it, uh, the concern that he couldn't learn the playbook either that you just brought up is something that I hadn't necessarily heard, but I think that's interesting. And, you know, those two issues together could really end his run before it even really gets going. We don't know that he can't learn the playbook. It was just that one, you know, Mac Jones had to get him on get on him at the senior bowl for lining up in the wrong place. And, you know, you hearing that one time is just like, oh, oh I don't wanna I don't wanna hear that uh, about the the player that I'm liking. So now regarding special teams, I can't think of the Michigan State wide receiver who was drafted in the second round by the Redskins, end up playing for the Giants, and was a special teams guy like that's that's how he made his career. Um, Austin Watkins is a physical player, and it's one of the reasons why I like him. And so, no, we haven't seen him on you know punt return. He's not a kickoff returner. However, he's good enough to be a gunner on punt coverage. He's good enough to you know go down on on kick on kick off because he is a physical player. So I'm not necessarily no. He's not gonna. He's not a return man. He's not a return man at all, but gunner and kickoff, he can he can do those things. And so, if he ends up being, you know, a seventh round draft pick, I'm not necessarily worried about him making the team as a fifth wide receiver because he can, I because of how physical he is. I believe that he can do those things. 
It's the time to talk about Bateman. Bring us home. All right, so I'm talking about Rashard Bateman, or Rashad Bateman, I'm sorry, uh, the Minnesota Gopher. So he's a four-star in the 2018 class, uh, 31st wide receiver ranked by 247 Sports. He had 24 offers from top schools such as Georgia, Tennessee, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, and then as I mentioned, he chose the Minnesota State Gophers as a freshman. Bateman came in and balled out opposite of Tyler Johnson. He started all 13 games and set the freshman school record with 51 receptions, caught 704 or had 704 receiving yards, caught six touchdowns, which was one shy of tying the freshman record. He caught at least one pass in all 13 games and had two 100 receiving yard games, won the outstanding offensive freshman of the year and the Big Ten freshman of the week once in 2018. As a sophomore, he came in and played all 13 games again. This time caught 60 passes for 1,219 yards, the second most in a single season and a sophomore program record. He had 11 touchdowns, which was tied for third most in a single season and a sophomore program sophomore program record as well. Named Big Ten's uh, Richter Howard Receiver of the Year and was one of the 12 finalists for the Blitnikoff Award and is one – the only player in the Big Ten to be named a semi or I'm sorry, the Big Ten player to be named semifinals that year. Jeez, I cannot talk. Named all Big Ten first team AP and third team All American. Junior year, obviously, he opted out early in the year due to COVID. We had all the uh, concerns, as I'm sure Austin mentioned there with Rondell Moore. Big Ten opting out. Both those guys had opted out of the season when the Big Ten decided to come back in. Bateman did opt back in. I do think it helped him some. He had, in my opinion, a better year than people gave him credit for. Minnesota only got to play in five games because of COVID, uh, but he did play in all five of them. He caught 36 passes for 472 yards and two touchdowns. He did average 94.4 receiving yards a game and was an all-Big Ten third-team player. Uh, this year, Bateman had that 18 year old breakout age, which uh, even across from Tyler Johnson, which is obviously extremely impressive for those folks who like the analytics, having that 18 year old breakout age is a big deal. And in 2020, he ended up with a 33.8% market share and a 55.4% dominator rating. So what do I like about Bateman? His route running. I believe that he does a really good job of setting up his defenders and can run practically every single route in the route tree. He's subtle in his breaks and does a good job creating separation. While he's not the fastest player on the field, I do believe he can beat players deep. His hands are amazing. He extends his hands to the ball and secures the catch. He can do it in contested areas. He does very well tracking the ball. Over-the-shoulder catches just about anything. Bateman makes the adjustments to it. And, yeah, even though I mentioned he's not the fastest player, he still finds ways to get yards after the catch. He's not the most physical player. He's not the fastest player. But, yeah, he does a little bit of everything, and he finds ways to get uh, down the field uh, and make plays. The cons on him are, as I just mentioned, he doesn't have the elite speed, and he's not the biggest wide receiver either. So he's kind of in that middle territory. He doesn't have that speed, but he's also not the biggest wide receiver. So a lot of people look at him and say, like, okay, well, he can't be a down-the-field burner, and he can't be that possession receiver because he doesn't have the, the speed or the size. I disagree with that, though. I think he is, in my opinion, one of the most overall and complete wide receivers in this class because of his route running ability. He finds innovative ways to create space in and out of his breaks. As I mentioned, great hands, great body control. And again, while he may not have the size or the speed, he's still very impactful every time he's on the field and every time he touches the ball. I believe he'll be an impact wide receiver in the NFL the day he's on the field. I don't know what his draft capital is going to be. I see a lot of stuff. Obviously, we all, well, Felix, like, very selectfully follows certain people, as we know. But 
I believe me and Austin probably follow a lot of these NFL draft guys, and it seems like they're torn on him. It's 50-50. Like, some people love him. It seems to be mostly the analytics crowd really seems to love Bateman. And some film guys do as well. And then there's a lot of people who don't think he's going to get that round one draft capital. I can't see any way he makes it into, like, the mid-second. At worst, I think that's where he's going to go. Um, you know, I'd love to see him in a couple different spots. A uh, couple of the teams that I put on here that are picking high or back end of the first round or high end of the second round, I'd love to see him go to Cincinnati if they decide to pass on Jamar Chase and shore up that offensive line uh, in the first round. I think he'd be a great fit opposite of Higgins and Boyd in that offense. Obviously, the Packers, anytime you're paired with Aaron Rodgers, I think he'd be the perfect kind of fit opposite of Devontae Adams. Uh, and then I also had Washington. I, I really think him and McLaurin could really play well off each other, and I think that would actually help McLaurin out a lot, who I think is just phenomenal wide receiver. I'm going to go off base here really quick because I love talking about my Buckeyes. Uh, there was, I saw an interview the other day by Richard Sherman about McLaurin and how just amazing he is as a wide receiver, even when he gets that bracket coverage on him and he still finds ways to get open and beat players. And they're like, if he, if he were to have someone opposite of him that he thinks he'd be like one of the best wide receivers in the game. So I just wanted to mention that, but I, I, I love Bateman. The last spot I put was the Ravens. I think if he were to go to Baltimore, I know everybody hates Lamar Jackson, but I think that what he could do in the short area could actually free up Mark Andrews and Marquise Hollywood Brown and help them out along with Bateman and Lamar. Uh, but I, I love Bateman overall. I think he's my number three or four because I do have uh, Devonta Smith and more kind of right there. I can't really separate those two out. And then Bateman comes in behind them. He's my last guy in my tier one. I think Bateman's phenomenal. I've seen him going to late in a lot of rookie drafts back into the first, early second, and I think that's an absolute steal for a guy who I think you could argue is right up there with the top three guys. He's number six for me, and it's one of those um, spots where I'm going to just believe the analytics community because when I watch him on film, you know, it, before 2020, number 13, uh, Rashad Bateman, he was a downfield contested catcher. And those are just players that I tend to not gravitate towards. And then in 2020, he was a slot receiver who they tried to give the ball to behind the line of scrimmage. It's just like, that's not the player that he is. That's not what he was most successful doing. I mean, they tried to use him like almost like Rondell Moore uh, this season in Minnesota. Um, and so I'm going to trust the analytics community that because this guy is was an 18-year-old breakout, um, that he's going to be good. But I'm not skilled enough a film evaluator to s determine when these contested catchers can be successful at the NFL. I put Tylen Wallace in the same category. Tylen Wallace is a, a six-foot you know, he a six foot player who who relies on contested catches and and winning at the line of scrimmage and stacking uh, cornerbacks. And I just I I have been burned too many times by that player by that profile to see when it's going to win. And the other thing is, I just don't know how an NFL team is going to use Rashad Bateman. Like I just don't like I don't know if if it's going to be like how the way Minnesota used him down the field in 2019 or or closer to the line of scrimmage you know, in the slot in 2020. And so that, you know, I have him ranked six, sixth, but it's not a ranking that I'm confident in. I mean, I've said it on an earlier show. It's just, 
that he when when I watch Rondell Moore, it's not like when I watch. Excuse me, when I ro- watch Ro- Rashad Bateman, um, I don't get excited. And I got excited when I watched Tyler Johnson. Like Tyler Johnson was somebody that I liked, but then the NFL faded him, and so that worries me too. Like they faded Tyler Johnson, who in my opinion was you know one of the best route runners in that last year's draft class, right up there with Jerry Judy. And so I guess we'll you know I'm gonna. I want to see how Rondell, or I keep saying Rondell. I want to see how Rashad Bateman um, is evaluated by the NFL. See what his draft capital is, and then I'm going to know. Like if he falls, then I know that they that NFL evaluators just believe that Minnesota's system lends itself to wide receiver production, and it's not necessarily the skill set of the wide receiver. And so that's just something that I'm going to pay attention to. Because there are players that um, lots of fo- folks like at Minnesota right now. Chris Outman Bell, I think, is Daniel Jackson a wide receiver? But Daniel, Daniel Jackson, you know, and so how Rondell Moore fares in the NFL draft this year is going to help me evaluate, you know, those players that PJ Fleck has uh, at Minnesota now. Everything just takes so long with him. And I don't even mean like necessarily always because, you know, a lot of the route concepts they had him run, you know, were, were slower developing as well. But it just seems like he's not as crisp as some of those other guys, you know, in and out of breaks. And it, like it, I just I just watch him and I don't see the same game speed that I see from some of these other guys. Now, every once in a while I do. And I think those are the clips you see recycled on Twitter every other day. There's, you know, a handful of plays, maybe a little bit more than that, where he looks really, really sharp. But there's just too many where. For me, that's not the case. I mean, he's my wide receiver five. I still think he's a really good player. Um, and I have a first round grade on him uh, for fantasy. I have like an early second round grade on him for NFL. Um, yeah, I, I'm with Felix. I just want to see where he gets drafted before I make any decisions on him. And and to Felix's point on the slot receiver, they did, uh, and that was a little bit weird to me as well this year. That was one of the things I wish I, I had an answer to. So he ran sixty, almost sixty seven percent of his routes out of the slot this year. It was thirty percent more than twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen, where he ran thirty seven percent, and then literally fifty percent more than twenty eighteen when he was a freshman. He literally only did a seventeen percent. So I I'm, I don't know what the change was. I don't know if it was just short off season. Uh, everything kind of messed up him not really being a part of the team up until I think he came back. It was only like three weeks before Minnesota played their first game because Big Ten kind of pushed everything in so quickly, and it took forever for him and bait uh, him and more to get reinstated back into the Big Ten to be able to play. So I don't know if maybe that had something to do with it as well, but he was in the slot a lot more this past season than he has been his entire career. Yeah, yeah. Well, any is that, is that the final word on Rashad Bateman? Final word on receivers here for the night? Looks like it. Perfect. All righty. Um, so we will be back. You know, these posts on Monday. So, I mean, I guess by the time you listen to this, it will be Monday. So Yeah. Well, depending on what time you listen to this, too, make sure to follow at Debbie Dietz at Sharper Review and myself at Sports Fanatic MB. Because if you listen to this nice and early in the morning, Monday morning, there'll be a nice little announcement that comes out Monday night. You might see us live, too. 
And if you listen yep. to this Tuesday or Wednesday, then you already know what happens, so it doesn't matter. But surprise, we're having a baby. Yeah. We're having a baby. We are. I'm super excited about it. I'm sorry, I let the cat out of the bag. My bad. That yeah, that's all I've got. Yeah, I mean, we we teased it tonight on C2C as well. So, all right, it, it is time. All right, so what are we doing next, guys? Are we doing running backs next? Uh, yeah, I think for I think if we're next staying in, in rotation. For staying in order, that would be correct. We would be doing okay. running backs next. Anybody want to spit? Oh, go ahead. I'll, I'm gonna do Javante. Just okay. do it. Get it over with. Okay. I'll do Javante. Felix, do you have any? Do you have anybody that's speaking to you? Is, are we still recording? We are yeah. still recording. Yes, we always tease. You don't like to. You're gonna be like probably gonna do a because guy. I never who's, know. Been at the running back position at some point in his career. He's he's probably run the ball at least a hundred times in his career. Scored a couple rushing touchdowns. Probably put up a couple hundred yard rushing games. So that that's the player I'm going to do. That's Felix's tease for you. I'll just I'll help him out. I just I don't. Wait, hold on. Let me think real quick. All right, we got Ramondre. We've got uh, I mean, Kylan Hill. Like, there's nobody. Like, I like to cover the guys that are like. Between fifteen and thirty, like Just I like Spencer to cover Brown. Those guys. There's Spencer nobody. Brown. I don't like anybody. No, I don't like like last year. I like Pete Guerrero. Pete Guerrero, who I actually oops, I shouldn't say that. Um, so Pete Guerrero, who plays for the 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 Jets now, got picked up by the Jets. The guy out of Monmouth. There's no player. There's no player like that that I've fallen. There's no Jonathan Ward. There's no Levante Bellamy that Don't I you like. like Eli- you know, Elijah Mitchell. Didn't he come out? You want to do I Mitchell? Mean, not, like I like Trey Regis more than Elijah Mitchell, and Dude, I like Trey Chris Regis way more than both. I don't. I'm not te- like I don't know. I don't know. I don't it doesn't know. have to be someone you like. You can do someone you don't like, and then me and Austin can disagree with you if it's a player like, that we don't like. No, not at all. Austin did Khalil Herbert, who he who didn't did necessarily like. He hasn't picked yet. I, I didn't pick anybody yet. Well, you guys pick, and then I'll pick. That'll help what, me. So you're you're doing Javante. Matt? Well, I, I mean, I won't, I won't have to do Javante if you guys want to do other players. I can pick somebody else. We got Kenneth Gainwell. We can do Trey Sermon. Do we do Trey Sermon yet? No, we haven't. No. Trey Sermon. I, it doesn't matter to me. I, I mean, just figured- if, you, if you do Javante, I'll choose. I'll take. I'll take one of those other top guys and you know do a top guy show. Okay. Well, then there you go. So you get Etienne or Harris, and then Felix can do the other one. We'll just do a top player show. No. No, I don't want to appease the audience. I, I want to do somebody that nobody cares about. Like that's my that's my thing. Like I'm gonna try to I'm gonna find the most obscure. We know Skip Bayless. We know. Who, who's that D two kid that's starting to get uh Javon Hardy? Yeah, Hardy Javon Hardy. I think his yeah. first name is Javon. Out of the same school as uh oh what. Tucson? What was? Oh no! What was the guy's name who played for the Ravens? I can't Tucson. Fitzgerald Tucson went to Michigan. I'm thinking oh, of somebody at Tucson. So of somebody else. Uh, I can't remember his name. It'll come to me after that we stop recording. Um, I can't believe we record like the teases for the like. I never. I can never know who I'm going to talk about next week. Uh, he went. To, he goes to Tiffin. Tiffin. Yeah. There's a tip. There's a running back from Tiffin who used to play for the Ravens. Like in the last five, six years, I can't Chris remember I, his Chris name. Chris Ivory. 
No, Chris Chris Ivy never played for the Ravens. Chris Ivy played for the Jets. Chris Ivy played for the Saints. There can't be that many players that went to Tiffin. Who played for the Ravens? A running back who played for the Ravens. Oh, you know what? I think I'm thinking of somebody who went to like. Are you thinking of Terrence West went to Towson? No, 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 no. I'm thinking of somebody who went to like a Florida school. Terrence West, that's a that's a man, that's a blow, that's a blast from the past. Remember, he was splitting the backfield with Isaiah Crowell. Remember that Isaiah Crowell coming out of well, he was at Georgia, had a great or okay freshman year, and then left and went to whatever school he went to, like Alabama State or something like that, and then went to the NFL and and. Burning's looking like I need this show to end. It's yeah. well, no, it doesn't matter to me. I've, I've picked it's my players. So. It's only ten oh seven. You're sitting there wiping your eyes. And, and I've stuff. been up. I've been up since four thirty though. That's bro. true. You do get up early. You do get up early. I'm Even not, on my day off, I got do. up early. I don't know why. I couldn't go. You I couldn't go back to sleep. I've been up ever since working. Got to get, gotta get those articles done. Got a so you're doing Javante. You're doing. We don't. If we don't want to do a top player one, then I'll do Trey Sermon. It doesn't matter to me. I just don't I just, want to do ETN. I'll do Najee. I, it doesn't matter as long as it's not ETN. This running back class is just not exciting. No, at all. you know what? I think I should do ETN. Austin should do Javante, and you can do Najee because I don't like ETN as much, and Austin doesn't like Javante. So we can give you know our great opinion takes on on that, and then argue about it. I do have a good comp for. Uh... For Najee Harris, and that's don't spoil it now. Next show, there you go. So Felix is doing Najee. We finally got him to admit to an actual player for once. Austin, who do you want to do? You want to do Etienne or you want to do Javante? I'll do Javante. All right, great. I guess I'll talk about Etienne. Super thrilled about it. All right, we're having a baby. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks to the end zone. Hunter and Bell caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. Freshman made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. 
Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.